I was living in a devil town I didn't know it was a devil town Oh Lord, it really brings So there's this movie, uh, Good Luck Chuck. It's a terrible movie. I mean, maybe one of the worst feature films ever made. I think it got like a 5% on Rotten Tomatoes. This is a bad movie. But the reason that I bring it up uh, is because the plot closely resembles what's happening with Arizona State football right now. Uh, Dane Cook, playing the lead, always a wise decision if you're a casting director, um, plays somebody who, when he's 12 years old, uh, refuses to kiss a girl, and uh, apparently she has magical powers, and puts a hex on him uh, that basically causes him to not be able to have a stable relationship, and every girl he dates uh, or hooks up with ends up marrying the very next guy she meets. And um, this movie, this terrible movie, uh, it closely resembles what's been going on with Arizona State University football as of late. For a while, when Todd Graham got here, this guy who's supposed to be a vagabond coach um, left pit after one year, something that they still bring up on Twitter frequently. They're very upset about the fact that they only had uh, Todd Graham for one year, even though he was an emergency replacement for Mike Haywood, who um, was arrested for felony domestic violence. You figure they'd be more upset about that. Uh, than they are about losing a coach who took a better job and a raise, but they're not. They're still upset about Todd Graham, and it earned him the reputation of somebody who goes to a school, leaves that school. Um, and so, you know, when he started to have success and as his longevity went on, as he got four or five years into um, working for Arizona State, when everybody said he'd be gone after a year um, and he didn't leave after, you know, having two 10 win seasons in his first three years at Arizona State, uh, some of that reputation went away. Some of it didn't. Some of it stuck around. And what you're ultimately seeing lately is as Arizona State hasn't had much success, as they went 6-7 and seven, um, with a bowl loss in 2015, and as they went 5-7 and seven in 2016, you're seeing assistant coaches who have come to work for Todd Graham take better jobs and leave. And uh, this movie, this terrible movie starring Dane Cook and Jessica Alba, um, who you will not see on any Oscar stages anytime soon, um, was ironically directed by a guy named Mark Helfrick. And uh, if that doesn't strike you as ironic or odd right out of the gate, uh, we'll get into a little bit more of why that should later. But first of all, I want to welcome you to the very first Devil's Junkie podcast of 2017. I am Ralph Amsden. I'm looking forward to throughout the rest of the year uh, talking to you about ASU football, ASU basketball, recruiting, basically everything that goes on over at devilsdigest.com, the Rivals affiliate uh, that is kind enough to give me a gig. That is, until Gus Malzahn comes and wants to triple my salary, then I will be gone too. Let's get to it.
So Chip Lindsay's gone. He had told Todd Graham uh, that he was staying after Gus Malzahn and Auburn made multiple overtures to bring him on board. Um, now, in and of itself, Auburn's pursuit of Chip Lindsay as their offensive coordinator uh, is a fascinating story filled with drama. Rhett Lashley, Gus Malzahn's longtime offensive coordinator, uh, somebody who doesn't necessarily have all of the play calling responsibilities that he would like, takes a massive pay cut to head over to UConn and call their plays just so that I, I, he, he can develop professionally. Uh, there, you know, there's a potential he was forced out as well. You know, I, I, I don't know all the details of that situation. Uh, but then ultimately, the, the board of trustees at Auburn wants. Wants him to make a high-profile hire. Now, Gus Malzahn's a lot like Todd Graham. He wants somebody he trusts. He wants to bring in Chip Lindsey. And, um, you know, Chip Lindsey had said that he wanted to stick around Arizona State. I mean, this is a guy who turned down a head coaching gig at Southern Miss when he first came over to ASU. He's somebody that was mentioned for the Georgia State job, but, you know, decided to stick it out at ASU. Wasn't going to leave for anything short of crazy crazy money. And I mean, this is also a guy who's from Alabama. Uh, There's certainly going to be some pull there. There's no doubt that over the last couple of weeks, he looked at this opportunity, even if it was going to be similar salary, similar responsibilities, something that would be a fantastic opportunity. But it really sounds like he tried to be a man of his word, tried to stick around for this program, for this quarterback in Blake Barnett that he brought in, this Alabama transfer you know that he had helped land, uh, to also be there for Ryan Kelly, a quarterback that he he helped flip from Oregon and recruit someone whose parents he had spe- spent the previous weekend with. Uh, and, you know, stick around for these recruits like Curtis Hodges, who tweeted uh, that that Chip Kelly had said, "You know, trust me with your future." And you get the the feeling that he really wanted to stick around. But uh, last Saturday morning, Auburn comes to him. You know, after he's already told Todd Graham he's going to be staying, and they they say to him. You know, we're going to give you $2.1 million. Whether you get fired after five weeks or not, we're going to give you three years guaranteed at seven hundred dollars each. So you're getting $2.1 million. That is more than triple the salary that you're going to make in your one-year deal through the Arizona Board of Regents for the gig at Arizona State University. You're going to work in the SEC, which may or may not work out. Gus Malzahn is on the hot seat. But you're going to get $2.1 million. On top of that, you're going to have salary incentives. Your salary over the course of three years, if you make it, could be as high as $4 million, maybe more. Or you could have one fantastic season at Auburn and someone else in the SEC or someone in the ACC or someone back here in the Pac-12 or someone in the Big 12 will say, Chip Lindsey, we want to pay you $4 million a year to come be our head coach. How are you going to refuse that? You're not. You're not going to refuse that. And and there are a lot of people who are upset with Chip Lindsey for leaving. And, um, And who saw it as a lateral move. And I understand that. I understand that offensive coordinator is offensive coordinator regardless. But it's a lot like being a general manager. You can be a general manager of a lot of places. You can be a general manager of a Circle K. 
You can be general manager of a five-star hotel. It's a similar job title, but obviously one comes with a lot more prestige, responsibility, pay, opportunities for advancement. Um, You know, one you're okay with having on your Tinder profile maybe when you're not. You know, I'm not saying that Arizona State is a bad job. What I am saying is it's not an SEC offensive coordinator gig in your home state with three years guaranteed money and a promise that you'll be able to call your own offense. And that's what Chip Lindsey got. And alone, it might be something that Arizona State fans are able to stomach. But it's not alone. It's not alone. There are four different offensive position coaches that have had at least three names in the last two years attached to them. ASU is going to have to bring in an offensive coordinator or perhaps raise one of the hires that Chip Lindsey actually helped make up to be an offensive coordinator for this season. It's a giant inconvenience. You don't like it if you're Arizona State. You don't like it if you're Todd Graham. Your back's against the wall. You need to succeed. Continuity is important in this conference, especially when you look at some of the other teams that have decided to fire their head coaches. This is really the time to use the talent that you have, use any advantage that you have to try to get over the hump and compete for the Pac-12 South. But in all likelihood, it's going to be that much more difficult because... After one year of Chip Lindsey, they're going to be moving on to someone else. And there aren't a lot of Gus Malzahn attached assistant coaches out there who could just come in and pick the system up right away. There are a few, and we'll get into that in a minute, but there's not as many as there used to be. Todd Graham's been through a lot of them. He's brought a lot of them in, and they've moved on to other gigs elsewhere. But, you know, Chip Lindsey leaves for Auburn right after Delvonic Alexander leaves to coach wide receivers at Notre Dame. Uh, Chris Thompson leaves Arizona State to go help run the offense at Texas Christian, his alma mater. Jay Norvell leaves to go be the head coach at the University of Nevada. And, you know, this is one year after Mike Norvell leaves to go coach at Memphis and takes half of Arizona State's coaching staff with him. Chris Ball, in charge of the defense over there. Chip Long, in charge of the offense, and eventually he moved over to Notre Dame. Arizona State hired Cody Burns to come in and coach the running backs, but Auburn brought him back in a co-offensive coordinator role at a huge race. He was only here for a couple of weeks. Arizona State lost Bo Graham, Todd Graham's son, running back coach, to essentially what was a personnel violation. So you have all of these coaches cycling in and out of the program, including Jackie Ship, the defensive line coach, who took a raise at Missouri and ended up being fired for getting a little bit too aggressive with a player. You know, you bring in Joe Samalo for a year, and that doesn't necessarily work out, so he's on his way out as well. There's just not a lot of continuity within this coaching staff. And if you look at every case individually, most of these guys left for what would be considered a better job and a, and a better opportunity. <clears throat> There's no doubt that Delvon Alexander wanted to work with wide receivers, his natural position. He most likely got a raise 
to go to Notre Dame. So he's working with a position that he wants to, probably at a salary increase. Chris Thompson is back at his alma mater, probably at a raise. He's going to be helping run the offense. You know, this is a guy that really wanted to be in Texas. There were whispers of him interviewing for almost every gig that opened in Texas over the last couple of years, including the North Texas job last year. So you had to assume that was coming. Jay Norvell, you know, there's a big argument on on Twitter that I was involved in over this of whether it's better to be a head coach in the Mountain West Conference or a position coach in the Pac-12. A head coach every time. Every time head coach. You don't get an opportunity to move from position coach to head coach very often. So how would you be able to move to a head coaching position in a Power 5 conference if you don't take the opportunity in a group of five conference to see what you can do as a head coach? So Jay Norvell would have been stupid for not taking that on. You know, Mike Norvell got a head coaching job. It was time. Chris Ball got promoted from somebody who uh, coached half of the defensive backfield at Arizona State to actually being able to coordinate a defense, and he's somebody who had interviewed for head coaching jobs as well. Chip Long obviously put himself in a better position running the offense at Memphis because it turned into him being the offensive coordinator at the University of Notre Dame. These are all promotions for the most part. Jackie Ship. I mean, you know, he he had about a 50% salary increase to be closer to home. That's something that's going to be hard to pass up as well. But the fact of the matter is, Arizona State's been treated like a triple-A team for other schools. Once a coach gets hot, they move on to the big leagues. And you get that, we're always a bridesmaid feeling. And you're going to focus more on this when your team's not winning. And that's the problem for Arizona State right now. They're not winning. Which makes, you know, it, it, it creates a situation where you want to come up with a reason why. Why is Todd Graham losing all of these people? Could everything we've heard about his personality be true? Um, is he not giving people a reason to stay? Is he too hard on his coaches? Is he too hard to work for? Um does that make a giant salary increase and a promotion easier to take? Uh, who who knows? Who knows? I'll tell you right now, if it was me personally, and I was in a situation where somebody wanted to double or triple my salary um, so that I could help out my family and put me in a better position to advance, um, that's an opportunity that I take. And from my conversations with Todd Graham, especially at this last Pac-12 Media Day and even the year before, He made it evident that it's a point of pride for him to discover these coaches that eventually go on to do other things. He gave Gus Malzahn an opportunity to be his offensive coordinator at Tulsa. Gus Malzahn went on to be the head coach at Arkansas State and then Auburn. He gave Chad Morris an opportunity, and he gave David Beatty an opportunity. And these guys are both head coaches right now, Jay Norvell as well. There are, I believe, six or seven coaches who have worked on the offensive staff for Todd Graham, who have all moved on to take head coaching gigs. And that's a point of pride for somebody so long as that tree that they are growing um, is coming out of roots planted in healthy soil. 
So you can have a huge coaching tree with very long branches, but if if you're not rooted in winning, you know, if you're not somebody who's going to be at a program for 10 to 15 to 20 years or somebody who's not going to be in demand yourself because you're not winning, um, none of that really matters. You know, that'll be a nice thing to tell people and connections to have if you ever have to move on. You know, it'll function as a safety net for you instead of being something that you just kind of get to brag about because you're secure in your position where you're at. Uh, There's a good chance that this is affecting recruiting. Now, it's definitely affecting recruiting from the standpoint that probably more than half of kids commit to schools based on the relationships that they develop with assistant coaches. That's just a fact. They should not be doing this. They know that they should not be doing this. The coaches that are developing the relationships themselves with the kids to get them to their school are also even telling them, you should not be doing this. You shouldn't be committing to a relationship. You should be committing to a school. The kids know this. They do it anyway. You get comfortable with a football coach. You get comfortable with a position coach. And I mean, if that comfort level's not there, then a school that you thought would be a great place for you is going to be one that you mentally eliminate because you can't envision yourself being in that situation. There has to be some level of salesmanship to it all because, you know, you have to feel comfortable. You have to be able to picture yourself. And that's these assistant coaches' jobs is to get you to picture yourself in that situation. Can you see yourself playing for them in that uniform, in this stadium, going to these classes, being surrounded by these teammates? That's all part of the picture that they paint. Now, you shouldn't be committing to a coach instead of a school, but they do. So Arizona State's turnover with assistant coaches has has definitely hurt them in very measurable ways through the recruiting classes they've been trying to build. Last signing day alone, when they struck out on about six different kids who all had an ASU hat on the table, it was very evident very evident that this turnover within the assistant coaching ranks was causing issues. This year, we've already seen recruiting turnover that is directly related to the coaching turnover. I mean, you know, Todd Graham has to has to be sick to his stomach to be in a situation where he's looking for an offensive coordinator when one told him, like, hey, I'm going to be staying. But it definitely has to add to the stress when he has recruits that are telling him, hey, I'm coming to your school, only to go on one more visit, meet one charismatic coach, and be gone. And that's what happened with a three-star wide receiver out of Texas named Gavin Holmes, friends with a running back commit, Eno Benjamin. You know, he was a silent commit to Arizona State. He told them that he expected to commit to ASU. What ended up happening? He went to Baylor. He realized he could be close to home. In the back of his mind, he knew that the guy that was recruiting him, Chip Lindsey, had just left for Auburn. And he's being talked to by Matt Rule and a, and a group of coaches who were all brought in to fix this mess at Baylor. So you have to figure they're going to be around for at least a couple of years. So he gets to be around family, his brothers and sisters. He gets to play in front of his mom and dad. He gets to be at a school that is rebuilding where he feels like there's a stable situation. And this is a kid who wanted to come to Arizona State. We had the same thing uh, with Bubba Bolden, star safety uh, out of Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas, Nevada. 
told Todd Graham, I'm going to be coming to your school. And for whatever reason, uh, his parents, you know, they said, no, you're not. And he was put in a situation where he had to commit on live television um, in a bowl all-star game. And he announced for USC, didn't look very happy about it. There's been a bunch of drama involved with that since. But there are things about Arizona State's situation that certainly probably added to his parents advocating for him doing something else, for him going to USC. Austin Jackson, prize recruit out of North Canyon High School. This is a guy who could be a game changer as an offensive tackle a couple of years down the road. Somebody who stayed true to his own high school after moving out of the area, drives a long way just to go to high school every single day. This is somebody that Chris Thompson has been on for a couple years, and before signing day, he leaves. His main connection with Arizona State is gone, and Arizona State's probably going to pay the price for that. He's probably going to go to USC. So you have a situation where your coaching turnover takes you out of the running for a lot of players that would help your program. And that's what a program is really all about, is talent. It's all about the clay that you have the ability to mold. You can't do much without talent. You can have great coaches that can do some pretty impressive things with small amounts of clay. But it's the large clay that you're able to, to, to mold and not worry about you know, what you're cutting away from it. That's going to be what helps you ultimately win. That's why Alabama and Clemson and these same teams are in the conversation for the national championship every single year. You need to be in the conversation for these four-star prospects. And it hurts you when you're completely turning over coaches every single year. But Arizona State has managed to do some impressive things with this recruiting class, and that's something that we'll get into very soon. So before we get into this recruiting class, let's talk a little bit about who could replace Chip Lindsey as offensive coordinator. This is going to be, I mean, this is a make or break year for Arizona State, let's be honest. If Arizona State loses any more than four games, if one of those four happens to also include a loss to the University of Arizona, this is probably going to be an entire staff that gets turned over, if we're being honest. So, this is a make or break here. This is a big hire. This is a hire that Todd Graham didn't want to have to make. This is a hire that this program has to nail. Todd Graham has taken risks as somebody who brings in offensive coordinators to take the next step, but he's never been this high up without a net. He's never been at a Power 5 school where his hire depended or so much depended on the hire that he was supposed to make. So I doubt he brings in somebody from the high school level. I doubt that he takes any wild risks. I mean, he could. He could. He's a cowboy. He wears the boots. You've seen him. But my guess is Arizona State's going to take a pretty conventional approach and a practical approach to this hire. They're going to either give it to somebody with experience or give it to somebody who 
Todd Graham has enough of a trusting relationship with to mitigate the fact that this staff, this 2017 Arizona State football staff, is filled with unfamiliar faces. So let's look at some of the options, because my guess is, the way I see it, it's three ways ASU can attack this hire. And I get more into this on devilsdigest.com, so make sure to check it out. They could promote a recently hired coach like Josh Henson, who was brought in from Oklahoma State, who was the offensive coordinator at Missouri for three years before that, or wide receiver coach Rob Likens, who was the offensive coordinator at Kansas two years ago, was at Cal before that, was an offensive coordinator and a quarterback's coach at various places prior to that. They could hire from within and look to plug and play uh, as far as bringing in a position coach to work specifically with wide receivers or with quarterbacks, really depending on what they decide to do. They could do that. I mean, those are already in-house. They already have experience. It's probably easier to find a position coach at this juncture than it is to find somebody to come in and run the entire offense. Um, So, I mean, I feel like they're legitimate options. Why I feel like it might not happen is a guy like Rob Likens. You know, he had his play calling duties revoked after one season at Kansas because David Beatty was in a situation where he had too much at stake to entrust them to anyone else. Well, Todd Graham's in that same exact situation right now. He's in a win-or-go-elsewhere situation. So it would be strange to see Arizona State give Rob Likens responsibility that Kansas wasn't giving him the year before. That would come completely out of need. It would not be ideal. Now, Josh Henson, he's a guy who ran an offense in the SEC. Um, I feel like one of the reasons why that might not happen is Josh Henson is a guy who came up as a recruiting coordinator, coached tight ends, and coached offensive line. He's going to be running the running game or his role was going to be to run the running game at Arizona State and work with the offensive lineman, be Chris Thompson's replacement. You know, he's a guy who's actually brought in quite a few high-level recruits over his career as a recruiting coordinator at LSU, as an offensive coordinator at Missouri. Um, But Todd Graham really likes for the people who run his offense to be the ones who can make an in-game adjustment to you know, a quarterback's mechanics or mentality. Todd Graham fancies himself as sort of a quarterback whisperer, someone who can really get inside the mind of a quarterback. Maybe not somebody who can train one up and teach them everything they need to know about the position, but he likes for his offensive coordinator to be able to possess that skill. And I think psychologically, um, you know, as a coach and friend and mentor, um, Mike Norvell was able to do that to some extent. Chip Lindsey really upped the game with his ability to develop quarterbacks. I don't think after a year of Chip Lindsey, Todd Graham's going to want to sacrifice that element, not with six quarterbacks on the staff who all have things that they can do very well but are all fundamentally different in a lot of areas. You need someone who can come in and work with them. And so one of the reasons why it might not be Josh Henson is that's not necessarily where he comes from. Uh, But if they did elevate one of those two, one of the options might be to go out and get a position coach. And and again, I wrote about this on devilsdigest.com. I see a few names as being um, potential position coaches if they were to elevate one of the coaches that they already have on staff. Uh, One of those guys, Bo Trahan, 
is currently Tulsa's quarterbacks coach. And you remember Todd Graham spent a few years at Tulsa as a coordinator and a head coach. Um, Bo Trahan was actually at Baylor for eight years. So he worked with Phil Bennett, Arizona State's new defensive coordinator. Phil Bennett's a guy who could probably vouch for what Bo Trahan's able to do. He was their recruiting director. Uh, He has a lot of high school relationships in Texas, maybe more so than anyone who's been on Arizona State's staff. And this is a staff that is full of people who have Texas connections. So he could be somebody that would be great for recruiting. Um, He has a year experience as a quarterback coach at Tulsa. Their quarterback, Dane Evans, had a pretty good year, 3,400 yards, 32 touchdowns. He went down in yardage, up in touchdowns. They had a much better season than they did last year. I don't know how much of that credit can go to Trahan, but he's somebody who has that Phil Bennett connection um, that could possibly be brought in as a position coach. Uh, I also see, you know, that there's a couple of other possibilities that I wouldn't say um, are even close to being likely, but they're guys that I'd like to see possibly get a shot. You know, you have a guy like Tim Rattay who's out at Louisiana Tech. He's their quarterback's coach. Of course, he was a quarterback at Louisiana Tech, so it might be hard to lure him away from his alma mater, but they could definitely give him a raise. This is a guy who has eight-plus years NFL experience, someone who was raised in Arizona, Played at Mesa, well, didn't play at Mesa High, uh, but played as a senior at Phoenix Christian, went to Scottsdale Community College before going to Louisiana Tech. You know, maybe he still harbors some sort of ill will to a school that didn't offer him uh, in Arizona State, but probably not, you know, for the right price, probably not anyway. Um, A team that I'm very familiar with, I'm an avid supporter of the Wyoming Cowboys and their offensive coordinator, Brett Vigen. Brent Vigen, he's he's a guy that maybe you want to take a look at just for his ability to identify and develop quarterbacks. I mean, this is a guy who found Carson Wentz and turned him into a first round pick. The Philadelphia Eagles. He's a guy who found Josh Allen, has helped develop him into somebody uh, that was projected if he was to declare early as being as high as the third overall pick in the NFL draft. You know, these are guys who had two stars, no offers. Um, But he's also somebody who's worked for Craig Bull for a very long time, first at North Dakota State, now at Wyoming. They could definitely give him a raise, but he doesn't have any regional ties. He's probably not somebody Arizona State would be looking for. You know, Wyoming recruits Illinois and Nebraska, the kids at Oregon who aren't good enough to get Oregon offers. Um, So it wouldn't necessarily be the best fit as far as recruiting ability. But he might be somebody who could stay on a few years, and you want somebody who's going to come in and spend a couple of years doing this job. You want to stem the bleeding of this turnover. Um, If you want somebody who can come in, who's kind of a retread, uh, Brent Peace, former Boise State and Florida offensive coordinator. He's currently at UTEP. Um, Arizona State fans should know him from the drubbing that Boise State uh, gave to ASU in the 2011 Las Vegas Bowl. Now, he was a coordinator at Boise State. He was a good coordinator at Boise State. He went to Florida, offensive coordinator, struggled, was relieved of his duties. He then went and followed Chris Peterson out to Washington, was his wide receiver coach for a couple years. And a lot of people said wide receivers was really the one thing that was holding this team back. So after two years, he was let go. And lo and behold, John Ross and those guys, they start catching passes, and they're in the college football playoff. So maybe there's something to it. 
Maybe he's lost a step. Maybe he wouldn't be a good coach. But at UTEP, he improved UTEP's scoring offense from 16 points a game over the first half of this season to 37 points per game over the last half. He's someone that could either come in and run your offense or work with your quarterbacks or receivers. You could definitely give him a raise. He's older. He's got a lot of experience. He might not be somebody who's looking to jump ship right away. And then there's the big names. If you've been listening from the beginning of the podcast, and I don't know why, you would just click on it and skip to the middle. But if you if you listen to the whole Good Luck Chuck analogy that kicked this podcast off, uh, that that was a movie that I felt really represented what Arizona State was going through in their coaching ranks right now, you'll notice that I said, ironically, that movie, Good Luck Chuck, was directed by a guy named Mark Helfrich. Well, Mark Helfrich is a guy that Arizona State fans are very familiar with the football coach, not the director. Uh, But he's somebody who was a coach at Arizona State before from 2001 to 2005. And after going 37 and 16 at Oregon, he lost his job this year. They went 4 and 8. Still beat Arizona State, but went 4 and 8, lost his job. And, uh, you know, he's available. Now, would a Pac 12 head coach who played in a national championship game just a couple of years ago have? any motivation whatsoever to take a coordinator gig in that same conference working for a coach who you were victorious over every single time you played? Probably not. Probably not. I I personally don't see it happening, but this would be the home run hire. And if you can't get Mark Helfrich, you're going to look at possibly one of the other guys that was fired at the back 12 this year, Sonny Dykes. Somebody who Hode Rubino, publisher of Devil's Digest, said came in and actually talked to Arizona State about the possibility of holding a position here. So maybe that's a guy you look at. Again, this is somebody who is a head coach, who is used to doing things their way. Are they going to allow themselves to be subjugated and work for Todd Graham? I don't see it, but if you're trying to make that hire that's going to save your neck, those are two of the names you're going to want to consider. Now, there are a few others uh, that I see as being a possibility uh, to bring in as either a coordinator or position coach. I mean, Joe Craddock, the offensive coordinator at, at Southern Methodist, he works for Chad Morris. He's really young. He's really young. So I don't necessarily see him as being a viable option. But if you're staying within the family of people that Todd Graham can get a recommendation from and has worked with before, that might be somebody you see them take a look at. Um, Taylor Kelly was here as sort of an assistant quarterbacks coach before he went into the private sector training quarterbacks. Um, again, it would be a bit of a reach. Uh, there's Herb Hand. I mean, if Auburn's going to steal from you, you might as well steal back. You could bring an offensive line coach, Herb Hand, to run your offense. I mean, I don't know what that would mean for Josh Henson, but you could technically do something like that. Uh, Brandon Streeter, quarterback's coach at Clemson. You could probably give that guy a pretty big raise. Um, and, and he's an up-and-comer. You might only be able to hang on to him for a year. You know, there's there. There's guys with NFL experience who you actually faced off against this year and saw the impact that they had on a program like Frank Scalfo, the offensive coordinator out at University of Texas, San Antonio. UTSA was pretty close to knocking off Arizona State. Um, You know, he's a guy that's coached quarterbacks at the NFL level. I believe he was at Tulane and sent four straight quarterbacks to the NFL. So there are other guys out there. 
Darren Chivarini from Colorado. But, you know, he's a guy who is at his alma mater who will probably have an opportunity to coach his son if he decides to walk on from Valor Christian on, on to UC Boulder. Uh, so I, I don't necessarily know if I see if that's viable either. Last year, you know, I tipped you guys off to Chip Lindsey's name before he was hired. But, I, you know, I was just throwing stuff at the wall. I got lucky there. I felt like he would be a good fit. Ultimately, Arizona State made that hire. Made me look smart for a second, but I can't really take credit. It's just somebody whose name popped out. I'm reading these names off right now with no insight whatsoever. The ideal situation in my mind would be to elevate Josh Henson. Somebody who has SEC coordinator experience. You've already brought him in. You know that Chip Lindsey trusted him. Uh, and you have Todd Graham work with him to take over the offense, you bring in somebody to coach quarterbacks. Um, I don't necessarily know who you would want that to be at this time because you have Blake Barnett. I mean, you have Manny Wilkins. They're not that different. Those are both very athletic quarterbacks, but you know their style of play uh, as far as, you know, the reads that they can make, their capabilities, when they take off out of the pocket, what their top speed is. You know, I'm, I'm assuming Blake Barnett maybe tries to preserve his body a little bit better than, than Manny Wilkins. You have a situation where Blake Barnett might not be able to play until week five. And if Manny Wilkins gets hurt like he was several times last year and you're trying to redshirt Dylan Sterling Cole, Bryce Perkins might end up being your starting quarterback. So then you have to have somebody who's able to deal with his skill set, which is short-range accurate throws, and the ability to make things happen with his legs. Who's going to be the best person to be able to do that? I don't know. Maybe a guy like Brent Peace. Maybe you elevate Josh Henson. Maybe you bring in a guy like Brent Peace. But in all likelihood, it's going to be somebody that we have not even heard of yet. So let's talk recruiting. Um, I'm going to end this podcast by going over uh, some of the questions that were submitted via the forums, the Devil's Huddle Forum Premium Forum at devilsdigest.com. If you're not a subscriber, subscribe. would love to hang out with you in there, answer your questions, talk ASU football, get breaking news ahead of when anybody else is getting it. Um, plugged into the high school scene, I can help you with that. Hode Rubino knows everything there is to know before it happens with Arizona State. We'd love to have you as a subscriber. Um, also some questions via Twitter. So I'll end with a Q&A session. Session. Uh, but for right now, let's get into recruiting and just basically the state of the team as it stands right now. Now, with all of this coaching turnover, Arizona State's still been able to do some pretty special things as far as recruiting. Now, this is a very unconventional recruiting class, so we won't necessarily get into the recruiting rankings as of yet, but we're just going to break this down position by position, which is something I actually did in the huddle on Devil's Digest, but I'm going to talk a little bit about it in this podcast. So, uh, scholarship positions at quarterback. Um, Blake Barnett. This is the former number two dual threat quarterback in Rivals class of 2015. That gives Arizona State both the number two dual threat from that class and the number two uh, pocket passer, traditional quarterback in Brady White. So you have Blake Barnett on your team. You have Brady White on your team. You have Manny Wilkins, who was your starter last year. You have Dylan Sterling Cole, who you brought in from Houston, Texas, uh, who still has four years to play three. You're probably going to want to redshirt him. You still currently have Bryce Perkins, who uh, broke his neck 
last year in in fall practices, missed the entire season, still has three years of eligibility left, and coming in, um, hopefully for ASU fans, is Ryan Kelly, a local Basha High School quarterback who brings a completely different skill set, has somebody that can really move with his legs and has an absolute cannon for an arm, and if you can harness all that, could be a star down the road. Uh, But you have six scholarship quarterbacks right now, and some some teams roll with two and a walk-on. And so Arizona definitely has a glut of options, all with more than one year of eligibility at quarterback right now. And they could actually go into the season holding all six, depending on how things shake out. And so, you know, this is a situation where even with Chip Lindsey leaving, unless Ryan Kelly, who was in Hawaii for the Polynesian Bowl, unless he decides not to sign altogether and reopen his options, just sort of show up at the school that he's going to play for without signing a letter of intent, which is something that you can do. Um, you know, this is going to be a guy who probably doesn't have time to figure out a visit, figure out any other options and and flip last minute. Uh, There are some options out there. You know, he was courted by UCLA pretty heavily. He was at one time committed to Oregon, but their spot has since been filled. Um, You know, Ryan Kelly's probably a guy who's going to end up signing with ASU on signing day. It's going to give you six scholarship quarterbacks going into next year. Uh, You know, it's very impressive with the four quarterbacks that you already had, even though you dealt with some injuries. You know, that's something that you ASU fans probably would be more comfortable if they had a winning record last year. But you could be comfortable taking those four quarterbacks into the future. But instead, you know, they add a couple of four star quarterbacks and all of a sudden, you know, you have six that could start for any number of teams in the country at their best, at their best. You look at the running back position, Kalen Balaj decides not to forego his senior season and enter the NFL draft, and you still have Kalen Balaj and Demario Richard, your dual threat running backs, uh, you still have them. You lose Jason Lewis to a transfer, uh, but you still have Nick Ralston, who basically served as your backup last year, and then you have Trey Turner with one year under his belt. Walk on Gil Scott Jackson, who actually had opportunities to play at the Mountain West level, but decided to walk on at ASU. And then you're bringing in two highly rated running backs. One's a Rivals 100 uh, player in Eno Benjamin, the highest rated kid they're going to end up with in this class, in my estimation. And Traylon Smith out of Houston, who Rivals considers the number 31 running back in the country. So you end up essentially with two top 30 running backs in the country coming in as freshmen. You have Trey Turner, you have Nick Ralston, you still have Balaj and Richard for a year. They're going to keep all those players. All of those players are going to sign. Eno Benjamin's already here taking classes. Traylon Smith's brother is transferring into ASU. So you're safe there. You're not going to have anybody decommit before signing day. You're good to go there. They're in very good shape at running back. At wide receiver, they pulled in a huge class last year. Huge class. They don't necessarily even need to bring in a wide receiver, even though it would be wise to to at least bring in somebody who can, can compete for one of those top spots, especially if you can't depend on Ellis Jefferson or Cam Smith. Uh, to do anything as a senior if Ryan Jenkins doesn't step up or Jalen Harvey doesn't continue his progression. You don't want to rely too much on sophomore Nikhil Harry and the transfers in John Humphrey and Ryan Newsom. Um, you know, you want to bring in somebody who can compete with them. And there are options. I mean, they were able to get Jalen Red to visit even though Chip Lindsey left. 
So they were able to get a foot in the door with him. Um, and he, he could play some offense for Arizona State, the you know four-star speedster out of California. Uh, there are some other options that you could look at. You know, this is this is a, some, something that helped them out a couple of years ago was something no one saw coming was Devin Lucian coming over from UCLA. And the year after that, the leading receiver, Tim White, was a guy who was signed way after signing day out of College of the Canyons. So you never really know what your options are going to be at wide receiver. And really, there are some players out there who have declared that they were going to transfer already. Um, Like Jalen Brown from Oregon, who is a local product that ASU had offered out of Mountain Point High School. Do I think they'll get him? Probably not, especially with Chip Lindsey leaving. So again, that affects everything. But at the same time, I feel like they're okay at receiver. They lost out on Gavin Holmes. There's still an opportunity for maybe them to offer somebody last minute. Maybe somebody like a Johnny Johnson out of Chandler High School who has Michigan State offer and is committed to Oregon. Um, You know, there's a chance they could flip somebody. But with Curtis Hodges coming in right now, and in all likelihood they'll probably bring in somebody like Cade Warner as a walk-on, they'll be fine to wait to see who comes out in the in the Juco ranks as a sleeper, see who might be able to transfer in and, and compete right away the way Humphrey and Newsom did, Tim White the year before that. So I think they'll be fine there. Uh, tight end, you know, they with Chip Lindsay here, they didn't really use the tight end um, as more than a, a, a red zone threat and essentially in blocking schemes. Um uh, Raymond Epps has left. I think he's, you know, he's gone to SMU. Uh, Grant Martinez, you know, he's somebody you might see grad transfer, possibly retire due to injury, or maybe even come in and compete. You never know. Um, but right now, it's looking like that's JJ Wilson's spot to lose. They have Tommy Hudson, Jared Bubak, and Jared Poplowski. I don't necessarily see them bringing in anybody else at tight end, so they're set. Jared Poplowski is going to serve that role in in, in this recruiting class. Uh, But offensive line is really where you kind of get into trouble. They needed to bring in a tackle. They don't do it. Uh, George Moore is technically still available. I see him as an Oregon State lean. Austin Jackson is technically still available. I see him as a USC lean. So I don't necessarily think that Arizona State is going to land uh, uh, an offensive lineman that they sorely needed in this class. They do bring in Corey Stevens out of Saguaro High School on the interior of the line. Um, you know, they're going to have guys that they brought in last year are hopefully a little bit more ready to compete, like Alex Lasoya, Marshall Nathy, Mason Walter, Cade Cote, Tyson Rising. Those guys need to be ready to go. It's about time Connor Humphreys did something as well. Um, but, you know, as it stands right now, your projected starters on the offensive line, Sam Jones, Zach Robertson, A.J. McCollum, Stephen Miller, and Quinn Bailey, and your backups that really have experience are Tyler McClure, who's not even on scholarship and only has one year of eligibility left, and Cole Cabral, a true sophomore. So not a lot of experience on the offensive line. Would have been good to get a Juco player who was maybe ready to go. And who knows, you know, maybe somebody transfers um, and, you know, they're able to, to, to bring somebody in and plug them in the way they did with Christian Westerman. You never know, but as it stands right now, if they stay healthy, that's a solid five. It's a solid five with a couple of decent backups, but 
Somebody else is really going to have to step up, show that they've improved their body, show that they've improved their footwork, uh, to, to challenge and push guys like Stephen Miller, who still needs a lot of work in pass protection. Um, you know, Sam Jones, who's coming off an injury, is probably their best lineman. Quinn Bailey, who's super athletic but needs to get a little bit stronger. You know, A.J. McCollum needs to be in better shape. You know, they have issues with the with the, with the offensive line that they have in place right now. They've all got experience. You know, they've all started quite a few games, um, but they're in a situation where they only have one senior in A.J. McCollum, and he wasn't even somebody you could really depend on to be there game in and game out last season. They had to go with walk-on Tyler McCollum. So a big miss as far as offensive line recruiting this year uh, without anybody really even on the table to bring in right now. So we'll monitor that. We'll see where it's going. There's a chance maybe a guy like Corey Smith is finally ready to play. They switch him back and forth between offensive and defensive line. Uh, We'll see. But that's definitely a big miss, and it did not help that Chris Thompson moved on prior to signing day. Um, you're you're pretty good as far as your special team situation. You know, Mitch Ferboni's he's going to be your senior long snapper. They'll probably bring in a walk-on uh, to compete for a scholarship after he's gone. Michael Sleep Dalton, from everything we've heard, is going to be a punter who's able to pick things up uh, right where they were left off. And Brandon Ruiz, flipping him from Alabama out of, out of Williamsfield High School is a really big deal. And his relationship with Sean Slocum really – paved the way for that and like we said earlier you know I'm talking about not committing to a school based on your relationship with an assistant coach but Sean Slocum really created the opportunity to be able to flip Brandon Ruiz from the best program in the country right now to come over to Arizona State because Zane Gonzalez was a guy who was only kicking kickoffs to the 5-10 yard line as a sophomore you know Brandon Ruiz sees him improve to a guy who you know has more touchbacks than anybody else uh, outside of I think one player at Auburn is a senior and you know this is already a kid in high school who kicks 94% of his kicks through the back of the end zone and he says you know if he can help Zane Gonzalez do that eventually win the Lou Groza award what can he do for me so that relationship with an assistant coach brings Brandon Ruiz into the fold they should be good as far as special teams, this has been a good recruiting class as far as that goes because they landed their top kicker target. Now, the defensive line, you get an unexpected boost from former UCF pledge DJ Davidson, uh, six foot five, three fifteen player out of Desert Ridge High School, 2016 graduate, went back and retook a couple of high school classes so that he could qualify, pledges to ASU. He could be a really big addition. He's somebody who made a huge impact in high school, didn't really break out till late. Um, but with Joe Samalo uh, not really landing any recruits, you know, and him kind of being out the door, they didn't really land anybody else as far as a defensive lineman. So they're really going to have to depend on uh, Tashawn Smallwood to play great as a senior, JoJo Wicker to finally make that big step forward as a as a as a junior, uh, Christian Hill, who might be used more as a blocking tight end. Um, it would be huge if he was ready to go and put in some reps on the defensive line. George Lee. Um, should be good. Uh, walk-on transfer Jordan Hoyt should battle for some playing time. Um, but, you know, this is a situation where, uh, you know, they have a two-star out of Louisiana named Shannon Foreman they're trying to land. Uh, but Joe Samalo really didn't get the job done as far as bringing in any defensive linemen. And because of that, you know, he's on his way out the door. And Arizona State is really lacking. It makes next year's recruiting class all the more important. Uh, linebacker. 
is another really interesting one. You get Christian Sam back healthy. You have DJ Calhoun. You bring in Doug Suttle, who was your prize recruit of last year. You know, you're going to want to have him come in and make a, a, a big uh, jump and, and be able to, to play right away. Um, Karan Crump, who led you in sacks last year. Uh, Marcus Ball. Obviously, who's who's moved around and has played a little bit in that spur position as well, um, and then with the recruiting class, you know, you have Lauren Mondy, Kyle Soley, Tyler Johnson, who took an official to, to Oregon this last weekend, but I feel like he's still probably pretty solid to Arizona State. Um, this is going to take some people stepping up in this unit to make it as good as it can possibly be. Uh, maybe a guy like Kalen Thomas, maybe a guy like Malik LaWall finally shows their potential and they're able to get some reps. But as it stands right now, this is a really solid group. Um, but they've got the recruits that they're bringing in, Mondi, Soli, Tyler Johnson, they got to be able to prove that they can step in um, and they can perform as well because the Sun Devils wanted uh, Gary Johnson. And uh, they didn't get Gary Johnson. You know, Keith Patterson sort of demoted to the linebacker role. They bring in Phil Bennett. He's not able to close the deal on Gary Johnson. He goes to Texas. They wanted Odua Isabor out of St. Mary's. He ends up at UCLA. They explored the idea of Mike King Johnson. He ended up at University of Arizona. Jalen Harris, who could have been a uh, kind of a special outside linebacker out of Desert Ridge High School, he's also at U of A. Um, and Daniel Callender, a big body out of UMA Catholic, you know, they could make a last minute run at him. But as it stands right now, that's a kid that's going to South Dakota State and has canceled all of his upcoming visits. So, Linebackers, kind of a make-or-break year for them. You have some NFL prospects, actually, at this position, but they're really going to have to prove it. And once they move on, that first layer underneath it, you know, there's not a lot of experience. Um, defensive backs, this is where they're really going to have to close, and this is where TJ Rushing is going to have to prove that, you know, he wasn't just able to get in the door, but he's able to close some of these players that they're after. And here's what they're trying to do right now. They are trying to land some people to push Maurice Chandler, to push Kareem Moore, Robbie Robinson, Chase Lucas, Chad Adams. They're trying to get a couple of people in there um, at corner who can who can make a push. Now, Riverside uh, Community College cornerback Tariq Lewis is a Utah commit. Uh, Jalen Johnson, another Utah commit. Those are options for Arizona State. Arizona State might flip one or both of those players. And they're bringing in Alex Perry from Bishop Gorman. And if they're able to flip at least one of those players and bring in Alex Perry, that is serviceable. That's acceptable. But with the amount of help they need, it would be nice to add at least a third competitor to the true cornerback position. They're working on a last-minute pitch to Tennessee commit Terrell Bailey. We'll see who, who how that goes. Another they might offer late in the game, three-star Texas cornerback Samuel Barnes. Um, there are options out there. Um Safety. Uh, you know, James Johnson only has a year of eligibility left. He hasn't really contributed much. He was injured a lot of last year. Um, Jamarcus Rhodes didn't really come in and make the impact that they had hoped. He's a big body, but we'll see what he's able to do. Uh, Tyler Wiley's still sort of figuring out. He's switched positions a lot. He had some reps at the beginning of the year, but was held out the rest of the year. Because, um, you know, he'd given up a few big plays. Um Dasmin Tautalatasi and Dion Guinard are our options at safety, but what they really need is someone who can come in and possibly play as a freshman. And uh, you know what what they're hoping to do is possibly flip Bubba Bolden and have him convince his parents that ASU is the place for him. In my mind, not happening. Ship has sailed. We've talked about that on the board at DevilsDigest.com. 
Evan Fields is the one they really want the most right now. They've put all of their energy into trying to land him as a recruit. Um, I think it's going to come down to ASU or Notre Dame. He announces soon, and we'll see how that goes. He's a three-star prospect out of Oklahoma who um, really warmed up to the idea of coming to ASU, but since then has gotten about 15 more offers. They've all been power five. He's one of the most in-demand players in the entire country. It's kind of hard to see for me why in-state Oklahoma wouldn't go and get him, but for them it's just kind of a spoil, uh, spoils of riches, you know, riches of spoils, or however you say it, they have plenty of options to choose from, so they're not really after him. That could end up being ASU's gain. Um, there's a couple of in-state pro- uh, prospects they really, really want. Uh, one being Isaiah Polamau of Mountain Point, another being KJ Jarrell of Saguaro. I'll tell you right now, they're getting one of them. They're not getting the other. So, um, and you'll see which one's which. Uh, but those commitments are coming up this week on Wednesday and Friday. Another option is there's a guy named Todd Harris, and if he miraculously decided to leave the Southeast, that's somebody who could push all of these guys I listed off as somebody for that could get some playing time as a freshman. So. Ultimately, this recruiting class looks good, especially when you consider it technically includes eligible transfers from Texas and Oklahoma in Newsom and Humphreys. It technically includes an Alabama quarterback transfer. It technically includes a JUCO transfer in Doug Suttle, who would have been one of the crown jewels of last year's recruiting class. It technically includes DJ Davidson, a a very underrated, big defensive tackle prospect, Um, on top of the the guys that they're getting through the traditional high school route. Now, this isn't going to be a big year for JUCO signings. They had a lot last year. They like to have more high school signings this year. So you're not going to see a lot of Juco guys, a guy that they still really want, George Moore, probably not going to happen because Chris Thompson left, even though he might have chosen Oregon State anyway. We'll see what happens there. I I give Arizona State a very low shot at him. But ultimately, Arizona State is solid. These coaching changes aren't going to cost them what they already had. What they are costing them is an opportunity to close the deal on some of these recruits that they that they had gotten this far. And that's when it's really a problem because a lot of this stuff happens close to signing day. And if you could have brought in a guy like Gavin Holmes, if you could have brought in a guy like Bubba Bolden, um, if you could have, you know, convinced a couple of these local guys who will probably decide to leave and go to Southern California, if you if you would have had the continuity to convince them that this would be a place uh, where, where they're going to be comfortable and have the same coaches for at least a couple of years, it would have been great. But as it stands, this team is still recruiting better than it did in any era, at least under the rivals recruiting rankings umbrella. Great recruiting. It's just a matter of having the right players in the right class to all come up together, develop together, which is something that also kind of goes out the window when you're bringing coaches in and out, and have them contribute. So, I mean, ultimately we'll see. They're bringing in talent every single year. This is going to be no exception. This is going to be a very good recruiting class, especially when you include all of the technically but not really parts of this recruiting class, if that makes sense. So up next, we're going to get into some Q&A. All right, so for those of you that are part of the Devil's Huddle, I asked you to send me questions. 
Uh, you did. Um, for those of you that follow me on Twitter, at Ralph Amston or at ASU underscore rivals, I asked you to send me questions, and you did. So let's get into them. It looks like at least a few of them are serious. So, uh, Stephen S underscore 1224, why does Southern Cal pick on us? Um, <laughs> because they can. Um, this is a school... Uh, whose tuition with room and board and books is north of $70,000 a year. Now, obviously, that's not what it costs them to get a student through the program. You know, it's not like it costs them any more money to have a football player sit in on a 300-person class that would have been going on anyway. The school's not eating the cost of that tuition. You know, the dorms are probably all through some type of... Um, endowment, you know, it's not like people who weren't going to be football players were going to be filling those rooms. Everything, um, the the retail and sticker price, it's all essentially a fallacy. But when players come in there to Southern Cal and they see the national championship trophy, and I know they've disassociated themselves with Reggie Bush, but everyone thinks of Reggie Bush, and you know they see the history and you know whoever it may be, Carson Palmer, OJ, anybody who's been there, uh, they see that history and the mystique and the beach and the $70,000 worth of tuition a year and the fact that it's away from home. Um, and, you know, that they traditionally beat the team that you have the closest proximity to. Um, it's, it just works. And Arizona State really doesn't beat USC for recruits. It just doesn't happen. Um, you know, the, there are guys who really like ASU and would want to go to ASU if not for the fact that their only other option that they're considering is USC. There's guys like C.J. Pollard from last year's class. Uh, You know, Connor Murphy chose USC over Michigan when Jim Harbaugh coached his older brother Trent at Stanford into the NFL and included on his recruiting trip a sleepover in his little sister's room. And Connor Murphy still wanted to go to USC over Michigan, or maybe that's why he wanted to go to USC over Michigan. But Southern Cal picks on Arizona State because they can. You know, they they outside of a, a, a couple of games, you know, the the perfect threatening Matt Barkley's life game uh, that had a monsoon and a and a and a dust devil come through the stadium and and the jail Mary. You know, outside of outside of those games, if you really look at the recent history on the field, it's been ugly. Um, and in recruiting, I mean, it's just battle after battle after battle Arizona State has lost. And so if USC makes you a priority, it's almost a given that, that ASU is going to use that lose that battle. And I don't necessarily think they set out to abuse Arizona State on the recruiting path. It's just sort of what happens. Um, ASUP Mac in the Devil's Huddle says, Now that Kalen and Demario are coming back for their senior seasons, do you feel that we should commit to running the ball 50% or more of the time? Um, you do what works, I guess. Uh, you, you do what you can to score points. Um, they're seniors, so 
I mean, you, you really got them in a position where you can do whatever you want with them and they can't leave or transfer or do anything else. You know, they'll be using their final year of eligibility. So hopefully they use them in a way that maximizes their ability. As somebody who watches and covers Arizona State, nothing maddens me more than the way that they use Demario Richard. Um, that drives me absolutely nuts. I think that part of the reason they use Kalen Balaj the way that they do is his skill set. You know, he's not really great um, in in the backfield. Uh, he's not really great off the handoff. Um, if he doesn't have his shoulders square to the line of scrimmage or doesn't have the momentum, he's somebody you can kind of take down a little bit easier. Well, I couldn't, but players seem to be able to but once he gets a full head of steam you know he, he can pretty much truck anybody uh in the in the ncaa and so um i think they use Kalen balaj according to his strengths but the way they used to mario richard over the last two years has probably been the most annoying thing for me about arizona state football whether it was in 2015 when they would cluster feed him uh where you know half of demario's touches would come on the first drive of the first quarter after getting dj foster his token catch on the first play uh, and then on the first drive of the third quarter, you know, they, he'd, he'd have 14 carries and eight of them would come on just those two drives and it would be in tempo and it would be for like three yards every time. And I feel like Demario Richards is a really good running back. He has the ability to catch passes out of the backfield. Um, so long as the offensive line isn't backing up as they're run blocking, he's somebody who can really find the hole and do some damage. So uh, I would say that I would be happy if they would find a wiser way to maximize Demario Richards' skill set, um, but I don't think there's really a magic number in the running game so long as you're putting up points. Let's see what else we got. Uh, what are the biggest changes we'll see this upcoming season on defense now that Phil Bennett has been hired? And that is from TWAS88 in the Devil's Digest Premium Huddle. Uh, I'll tell you what, if you actually go to devilsdigest.com, there is an article by the whiz kid himself, Fabian Ardaya, where he really gets into breaking down what Baylor's defense looked like, what they were able to do, and what changes you might see in Arizona State's defense. So I'm going to go ahead and reply to your comment with a link to Fabian's article. And if you're not part of the huddle, again, subscribe. Would love to have you in there. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and reply to your your question with a link to Fabian's work because it would be uh, a shame to waste that he does a really, really good job. Uh, let's see. Um, C.D. Fouts. Uh, th- this is a real serious question here. Eggs scrambled or sunny side up? Um, I am actually an over medium guy. I like to cook them up uh, on each side, uh, throw some hatch green chilies, maybe sprinkle some cheese uh, melted over or some Louisiana hot sauce. Uh, But I'm pretty particular. Uh, I go go with over medium almost every time. Uh, E40 Devil. Uh, one of my favorite posters on the devilsdigest.com, uh, Devil's Huddle Premium Forum, says, where is Isaiah Polamau going to commit to? Uh, everything's pointing to USC. I mean, there's still time. He commits on Friday morning. Signing day is not until next Wednesday. Um, but, you know, this is a kid who uh, has family ties to USC, always kind of wanted to go to USC, and they were one of the last to offer him and really make him a priority. But I feel like they caught up. I feel like they did everything they needed to do to show him that he is wanted there. 
Um, it's not too far away from home. He's a really family-oriented guy. Uh, he's going to be rehabbing a shoulder injury, so I didn't think he'd go to Washington and be doing that. So if it's not Arizona State, it's going to be USC. And right now, um, you know, I, I'd say that if you if you flipped a coin at it, you'd find it keep coming up heads every single time. You know, I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure he's headed. Uh, to Southern California. Now, anything could happen, but that's just my take on the situation. Uh, Big E Sun Devil. Projected starting offensive line as recruiting stands today. Um, I I think I touched on that a little bit, uh, where I think it will be Sam Jones and Quinn Bailey on the outside, Stephen Miller and Zach Robertson on the inside with A.J. McCollum uh, at center. That's the lineup I like the most anyway. You know, Tyler McClure could push A.J. McCollum, but you really hope that that doesn't happen that way. Um, A.J. McCollum's actually a pretty talented kid if he gets his stuff together. You know, he's somebody that that really reminds me of of, of Nick Kelly. You know, he, he, he loves to get out there and run block, and, um, you know, he'll – if you're not looking, you know, he'll he'll put one on you. So um, he's somebody that I think uh, has to step up um, in order to keep his job because Cole Cabral could play tackle, could play guard, could play center. Um, and he's somebody who I think will push everybody. But the, those are the five that I really see as of today being the projected starting five. Uh, Jedi. <laughs> uh, Jedi ASU. Ribs or brisket? Um, I'm not much of a barbecue guy. I'm sorry, man. I know probably have to sacrifice uh, my man card for that. Um, but uh, I barbecue, you know, I'm from Wyoming. And um, I think you you kill it and eat it raw up there. And I spent most of my life in Arizona, and um, you know I, I I don't look it, but I, I do the I do the chicken or fish thing here. Uh, I you know some ground turkey, um, but not not huge on barbecue. Someone's gonna have to point me to a good barbecue place to change my mind. Um, Sun Devil O three. Have you ever painted your toenails? If so, what color? That's gonna be a negative. Uh, Let's see. Uh, ASU House of Heat with a new quarterback coach coming in. Are we back to square one on the quarterback situation? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that Manny Wilkins um, has this job to lose right now. I, I think he did enough not to keep the job, but enough to keep his job in jeopardy. Still his job, but he's got a lot more to prove. He needs to make more of his reads he needs to take better care of his body on the field not try to jump over people not try to be a hero Um, doesn't have to take people's heads off on some of those short throws you know he's got to be able to get some touch on the ball Uh, and then he's got to get that deep ball working he has to develop some chemistry with cam smith because that's one of the things that was really missing last year uh was something that you see him do in practice often is go deep down the right sideline i mean he was underthrowing cam smith overthrowing cam smith the player he really had the most chemistry with was Nikhil harry and so um it's very possible that he keeps his job and holds it down to be honest uh so I wouldn't say we're back to square one. I think that you have 1A and 1B right now in Wilkins and Barnett, and they will probably be looking to give Barnett any reason to go in and show what he can do. So it's really going to be up to Manny Wilkins to hold him off. Manny Wilkins can't take care of his body, and he ends up, you know, his health ends up suffering because of it. I think you could see a dose of Bryce Perkins until Blake Barnett comes in and takes over. <laughs> 
I'm gonna let's see. Um, Ty Cap, does any Power Five school have a worse combination of football and basketball defenses than Arizona State? Uh, and it looks like you answered your own question there with a with a meme of a parrot shaking his head no. Uh, so if you know the answer, I don't know what I'm here for. Um, oh, here's a good one. Uh, Patton42, uh, where do you see ASU football program 10 years from now? Ah, uh, gosh, that is a really, really long time. I mean, it, it, it's not that long when you consider, you know, 10 years ago, Rudy Carpenter was still at quarterback. ASU was playing Texas, um, you know, had a 10-win season and everything like that. Um, so, you know, I, I don't see Ted, Todd Graham being here 10 years from now because that's just a really impossible amount of time to expect anyone to be anywhere. Uh, but as far as what the makeup of the team looks like, you're always going to be pulling kids from California. You're always going to be pulling kids from Texas. But what you're going to see a lot more of, especially 10 years down the road, is you're going to see the people who came here, raised kids here, they had kids, and their kids are going to want to go to Arizona State. It's not going to be as transient of a population as it has been. It, it, you're going to have people who are from Arizona. When I, you know, when I was a kid in school, there would be maybe two people who were born here. Um, I'm 32 years old, and I came here in 1987, spent every school day uh, or school part when you're in school. So um, everything but summer uh, in Arizona, and then I'd, I'd spend summers up in Wyoming. And um, you know, I, my class was full of kids every single year from Ohio, from Illinois, from Wisconsin, and from California. And that that's really what my generation's makeup uh, is. But you know, we're we're gonna have kids, and our kids. You know, my my oldest is gonna be 18. He will have spent his entire life in Arizona by then. He'll have some regional loyalty because I will have spent most of my life here. He will have spent all of his life here. And you'll you'll have those roots. And I think that's important because football is really developing in the state of Arizona. I actually got to do a, a thing for NPR recently where I discussed, you know, that participation in Arizona um, – you know, over the last few years is actually up 10%. And it's not just because of the population increase. Population's up like 6%. So football, even in the era of concussions, is outgrowing the total amount of population growth. Uh, so Arizona's a hotbed for football right now. A couple of years ago, it was the number 20 state in the country as far as putting kids in college. I think 10 years from now, Arizona's going to be a top 10 state. And so you're going to have talent to pull from every single year. And it's going to be elite talent. And, and even if you strike out on half of them, you're still going to get five to seven kids every single year from the state of Arizona who are big-time players. Basically, the way that Georgia is right now is where I see Arizona 10 years from now. Uh, let's see. Um, <laughs> craziest recruiting story I remember. Uh, Big E, Sun Devil. Well, the craziest thing for me is I actually went to school uh, with Terrell Suggs, you know, and he had a basketball offer to Syracuse. It was a parade All-American, and um, I know there were concerns about his grades and everything, but, you know, he, he, he got really good grades all through his senior year at Hamilton. I never really thought there was going to be – any doubt, but you know, this is a guy who probably should have had offers from all over the country and went to ASU because you know they were on him. They were really the ones who 
who pursued him and considering, you know, he's been in the NFL for 10 plus years, uh, you know, he's going to be top 20 all time in sacks when it's all said and done as a Super Bowl ring and everything like that to look back and say, you know, all oh, this guy really committed to his one legitimate offer out of high school is pretty crazy to me. But, you know, there, there's a lot of other crazy recruiting stories that, you know, I don't really feel like sharing because I don't want to throw any coaches under the bus or anything like that while they still have jobs. But for the most part, everybody's recruitment is crazy in some way, shape, or form because they're going through it for the first time. They're having guys, you know, schedule visits, uh, send them texts and DMs and phone calls and emails, and they get cards in the mail, and everybody says that you're their number one when you could be their number five. Coaches get fired. Coaches leave to get new jobs. Every situation is crazy. Every single person in, in, in ASU's class of 2017 is going to have an absolutely insane story of how they ended up at Arizona State. So they're all pretty wild to me. But the one that sticks out for me is just knowing that Terrell Suggs was as good as he was and, and, and that at the time, you know, a guy who probably could have had 50 offers, you know, in, in, in today's um, environment, you know, was somebody, uh, even uncommittable offers, just people who wanted to advertise that they were putting offers out there, you know, was somebody who really went with the team that pursued him the most, which was Arizona State. Uh, let's see. Uh, we'll take a couple of Twitter questions and then we'll call it good. Uh, let's see. Uh, from Sean M on Twitter, he says, Do you think the apparently light recruiting of linebackers and offensive line could cause depth issues in the future, similar to what we're seeing at defensive backs right now. Um, I would say that at linebacker, you're maybe two years off from seeing any issues, so that would make the 2018 recruiting class vital. Um, I would say offensive line's in danger immediately, and they didn't bring anybody in. So um, definitely issues if you can't get people to step up um, on the offensive line, and if you can't really get people who are playing out of position to to give them some depth at the tackle position. So offensive line is incredibly important. Josh Henson has a lot of ground to make up as far as providing some depth, at least at the tackle spot. Uh, let's see. G Patrick five on Twitter. Why is Graham losing so many assistants? I understand a few, but it tells me people don't want to work for him. If people didn't want to work for him. He wouldn't be filling these roles. Uh, and so I think that, you know, in that movie that we brought up in the beginning, good luck, Chuck, once the secret gets out that the next man that they meet after being with Dane Cook's character is going to be the man they marry, women come in droves. And so, um, you know, this is a situation where I think people can look at Arizona State as a stepping stone and would actually want to come here. Even if he's tough to work with, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like you wouldn't take a, uh, you know, if he's a bad boss, you wouldn't take nine months of a bad boss to get hundreds of thousands of dollars. Of course you would. I think the the average amount of money that anybody even makes in their lifetime with a college degree is just north of a million dollars. Chip Lindsey just doubled that, you know, assuming that he had a negative experience with Todd Graham, which we know he didn't. He wanted to stay even though Auburn was going to give him more money. It was only when they backed up the truck and dumped all the cash on his head that he finally made the trip out there. Uh, Reggie Blader, at Reggie Blader, one of my favorite high school football players from the state of Arizona, played at Perry High, says, how do you think the offense will do next season with a new OC and the transfers being eligible? 
Uh, without an offensive coordinator and I can't really make an evaluation on how good they could be, but I'm telling you right now, they're going to score points. They have a more experienced offensive line. They're good at tight end. They're good at wide receiver. They're great at running back. And the options at quarterback, I mean, the worst quarterback on the roster would still have an average year in the Pac-12, in my opinion. So I think that they'll be fine. I look for them to be a top five team at the very least in scoring offense and total yards in the Pac-12. Uh, let's see. At D. Suarez, how badly did Chip Lindsey's move hurt recruiting this year? Honestly, if Ryan Kelly signs, it, there's no difference has been made. Um Justin for ASU, one of my favorites on Twitter. What is the reputation of Coach Todd Graham's staff turnover amongst Valley High School coaches? Uh, so here's the deal. Brad Denny did a really great feature a while back where he actually reached out to some high school coaches and got their take on Todd Graham. And maybe they wouldn't all necessarily speak honestly because he's still here, but they were able to speak more freely about their relationship with Dennis Erickson and Dirk Cutter. They all said it was better. They all said that Todd Graham has an open-door policy. I've been at ASU practices when Chandler coaches are out there watching or coaches from other schools are out there observing. Um, he, he seems to have kept that in place. Uh, they know a lot of these coaches. They go out to a lot of these schools just this week. They were out at Hamilton. They were out at Chandler. You know, they, they're landing guys from Williamsfield uh, in two of the last three classes. You know, they got a kid from Gilbert. And so, you know, they're they're all over the valley. They're, they're making moves. They're doing things. They're getting a boatload of kids from Saguaro just this year. So as long as they're taking kids and making these high school programs look like they're doing their job, uh, I don't think you're going to see a lot of complaints. Um, I have personally never heard a complaint about Todd Graham directly from a high school head coach, and my job is to talk to high school head coaches, um, and they're usually pretty candid with me, So, uh, and they like to complain. So I would say right now that essentially the reputation of Coach Todd Graham with the staff turnover that he has um, it, it it, it, it ha- there has been no cause and effect there, especially when he's brought on a guy like Conrad Hamilton, who's the coach at Chaparral, who's given you know he he brought in Donnie Antis to run his recruiting department, so he's given chances to high school coaches from the area, and as long as he's doing stuff like that, and as long as he's taking players. Donnie Antis is doing a good job of going around and making sure that kids who maybe have D2 talent may get an opportunity to walk on at ASU. As long as all that stuff's going on right now, I think everybody's going to be pretty okay with the job that Todd Graham's doing. And I think that's it for questions. So I appreciate anybody who actually made it all the way through the first 2017 version of the Devil's Junkie podcast. Um, hopefully you subscribe. It's available on iTunes. It'll be uh, available for play on Podomatic.com as well as within the actual forum on devilsdigest.com. I implore you to you know spend the eight to nine bucks a month to subscribe, come in there, hang out with us, chat ASU football, ASU basketball all the time. We'll get more into ASU basketball on next week's podcast. I want to talk a lot uh, about how this team is built and what some of my worries are for the future for Bobby Hurley and the Sun Devils in the wake of Sam Cunliffe's departure. So I plan on getting pretty deep into that, but I really appreciate you sticking with it. Uh, listen to Devil's Junkie, supporting Devil's Digest, and, uh, and, and everything that you do to support Arizona State football and basketball. I want to make sure that the quality um, you know, that we provide justifies your investment uh, of your time and your fandom. So appreciate you listening. Uh, thanks a lot, and we'll catch you next week. I was living in a devil town I didn't know it was a devil town 
Oh Lord, it really brings me down about the devil town.